right, there we go. 1 John chapter number 3. As we continue through the book of 1 John, you remember, 1 John is written to Christians. We've looked through uh, the first two chapters so far. We looked at the fellowship that God intends for us to have. Uh, We looked at how to maintain that fellowship, how to grow that fellowship. Uh, Last week we looked at some warnings uh, that God has given us. And so now we get in to 1 John chapter 3. And this morning we're going to look at how to recognize family. Um, It's funny, in this world, a lot of times there are so many professed Christians. And again, I'll clarify, it's not our job to judge someone's Christianity. Uh, uh, God knows their heart, and our job is to love people and to share the gospel with people. But as we go throughout uh, our Christian life, it's important for us to be around uh, fellow Christians. It's important for us to have godly fellowship uh, with other Christians. And it can be confusing sometimes um, on who is, who is family, uh, who is like us. And by like us, I don't mean always in standards, right? Um, there, are, there are good, godly, God-honoring, God-loving Christians out there who have vastly different standards than I have. That doesn't mean that I need to kick them to the curb. It doesn't mean that I need to shun them because they're not as spiritual as I am. Uh, no, what it means is we need to understand who, who is with us, right? Who is with us. And uh, so this morning, I, we're going to look at 10 verses here in 1 John chapter 3 and look at the idea of how to recognize family. And we do that through really remembering a couple things uh, uh, that God here has given us to remember. So let's start here in verse number 1. The Bible says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when, we shall, when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin, is trans, uh, excuse me, whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that He was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God." In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil, whosoever doeth not righteousness, is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Uh, We're going to look at this. There's some interesting verses here. Uh, I want to make sure we explain them clearly. So let's pray and ask for the Lord's help this morning. God, thank you for letting us be here. Thank you for your word and what we can learn from it. And God, I pray this morning as we look at these 10 verses that you would draw us close to you. Lord, that you would open our hearts and minds, that we'd be able to learn what you want us to learn today. And I pray that as I present it, Lord, that I would do so clearly and correctly. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How to recognize family really comes around, like I said, to reminders, three different reminders. And if we can remember these things, I think it will help us understand uh, um, who family is. And by family, obviously, I mean the family of God. 
Uh, as the Bible says here, we are sons of God or children of God. So we need to know who each other uh, are. Uh, I come from a very small family. Uh, my dad was an only child. My mom has one sister, and uh, so I have one aunt. And uh, my aunt has two children. My mom had two children. So there's four of us cousins. Uh, and, uh, and now we've got uh, more. Uh, I've got a couple of children. My, my sister has uh, a son and several foster kids. And my cousin has a couple of children, a few children, I guess. And, and my other cousin doesn't. But we're still a relatively small family. So family for me growing up was pretty normal. Now, when I was around my grandfather in Ohio, we would go into the, to the, the store somewhere and he'd be like, oh, that's your distant cousin of some, some kind. And grandpa knew everybody and everybody was somehow, I guess, related to us, um, even though I never really understood that. Um, but I was kind of like, well, how do I know who's, who's who? We got someone that we called a cousin, but I guess she's a cousin, but she's some sort of third or fourth cousin somehow or another. I don't know. She acted like she was really tight with us. We all kind of were like, mm, you know, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, <laughs> we were very kind, loving children. And uh, but, uh, you know, it's like, well, who's family? I don't understand. Uh, you know, it's not like everybody wears a shirt uh, like they do if they go to Disney World where they're all wearing matching shirts or something like that. It's not how it works. Uh, so same is true with a Christian. How are you supposed to know who family is? Well, number one, let's remember, uh, 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 have a reminder of God's love. Remember God's love. And here we're given a reminder of God's love in the first three verses, really, where it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. We'll get into that in a second. But he says, Beloved, verse 2, now are we the sons of God. And so we see here the, the reminder of God's love for us, so much so that he has welcomed us into his family. He has adopted us. Uh, I was not born of God, but I was saved into the family of God. I am now an adopted child of God, and I am a son of God. And if you are saved, you are a son of God or a daughter. The word son here is the same word as children, child of God. Uh, over in the next chapter, 1 John chapter 4, look in verse number 10 if you're close enough to it. Uh, it says, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. We looked at that word propitiation in chapter 1, uh, that He was the, the, the sacrifice for us. He took our place. And we see here that the love of God, it's not that we loved God, but it's that God loved us. He loved us so much that He sent His Son for us. That He sent Jesus to come to this earth and to die on the cross for our sins and to be buried and then to raise again victoriously three days later. That's what love is. That is God's love. There's no greater love that a friend can have than he lay down his life for his friend. Christ showed us the ultimate love by coming and dying for us. God showed us His love. It says in John 3, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. You see, God loves us, and we need to remember that love. If we want to recognize family, we need to remember about God's love, remember what God's love is. Because of God's love, I have been adopted. I am now a child of God. And it says there in verse number 1, at the end of the verse, Therefore the world knew us not, or knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. The world does not know us, does not have a relationship with us, because it does not know or have a relationship with God, and we are with God. 
We've talked about this in past, past sermons, but the idea that we expect the world to act like God, well, the reality is the world's not going to act like God. We expect the world to say, well, have some compassion on us Christians. It's not going to happen. Why? Because the world has always been at, 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 uh, against God. The world hates God. And because we are with God, therefore the world hates us in general as well. The world cannot have, we, we talked about the word no, right? We talked about it in chapter 1, the, the idea of fellowship. That's what no was talking about. Fellowship, uh, a true unhindered fellowship. Well, the world cannot have true unhindered fellowship with us because we are with God. It knew us not because it knew Him not. Because the world is not in fellowship with God, therefore the world is not in fellowship with us. And when we try to blend with the world, guess what? It's not going to work. Remember the Bible told us in chapter 2, love not the world. Why? Because that's not the way it's meant to work. Are we supposed to love people? Yes. Are we supposed to love our, our neighbors? Yes. Are we supposed to love our brothers and sisters in Christ? Yes. Are we supposed to love our enemies? Yes. Are we supposed to love people? Yes. Who are we supposed to love? The same people God loved. There's a difference between the people of the world and the world itself. And the world is against God and the world is against us. It always will be until the end of time. So the world doesn't know us because it doesn't know God. The, the world doesn't have a, a, a good relationship with us because it does not have a relationship with God. And the love of God continues to work in us until the end. Verse number 2, Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. We know that when He shall appear, when Christ returns, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. That understanding, that knowledge, that growth that comes with being in the presence of God. And, and when God returns, when Christ returns, that, that wonderful uh, uh, fulfillment of His love, the fulfillment of His promises will take place. And the love of God will continue to work in us to bring us to that day, to have us to that, to that point. And, and when we're talking about recognizing family, we cannot recognize family until we recognize God's love. And so to remember, and this reminder to us of how much God loved us, because again, we're talking about loving people, and we'll get to this more in a moment, but the idea of, well, how can I love this person in, in my church who has a different personality than me, who rubs me the wrong way, who annoys me just to look at them or to hear their voice? How can I love that person? Well, I can love that person because God loved me and because God loves them. And so it all fits in together underneath the umbrella, if I can use that terminology, of God's love. And we have to remember God's love so that we can love the way that we're supposed to love uh, the people that we're supposed to love as well. Number two reminder, we have a reminder here of the obligation of Christians in regards to sin. This is going to shine a light more so on Christians, on our family, when we understand the obligation of the Christian in regards to sin. Uh, sin is evil. It's bad. It's not good, right? I think we understand that. I hope that we do. Uh, sin is wrong. Look at verse number 4. Uh, the Bible says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. We talked about this in men's Sunday school this morning, but uh, uh, why is the law even in existence? It's to show us sin. It's to, to show us that we are not good. Uh, well, again, we like to judge ourselves and compare ourselves to other people, but the reality is, is we're all sinners. 
There's none righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the law exists to show us that we're sinners. The law cannot save. John said in Sunday school this morning to us men, he said the law can only condemn. And that's true. The law is there to show us our faults, to show us our weaknesses, to show us our our shortcomings. That's what it's there to do. Sin is the rejection of God's law, not man's law. Sin is the rejection of God's law, and therefore the rejection of God. When I sin, uh, I, cannot, I, I do not sin against uh, uh, my government. I sin against God. So when the law, we, we, we've talked about this before too, but when the law, if, if we lived in a country where the law was against God's law, my responsibility is to follow God's law. Now sometimes we as Americans fudge this a little bit and to, to not obey the government and say, oh, I'm just obeying God, amen. Um, I know people who have had tax issues. Hey, render to Caesar what Caesar's. Now, we're still, we're still uh, God desires, commands us to obey our authority, whatever authority that may be. If our authority ever goes against God, and, and not meaning that they are bad people, but the laws that they, the authority is bad people. But, uh, uh, but uh, the, the, the law itself, if it's, if it's evil and it's wrong, then we don't obey that, we obey God's law. So sin is, is, is a disobedience of God's law. And, and in doing so, we're in disobeying God. We're not just rejecting God's law, we're rejecting Him and who He desires to be. As a matter of fact, Jesus came to take away our sins, right? It says in verse number 5, that's His purpose, and you know that He was manifested, made man to take away our sins, and in Him, Jesus, is no sin. And so we see this idea of, of transformation. God came to transform us or to conform us to be like Him. Uh, as it says back there in verse number 2, it says, But we know that when, we sh- when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. We will be perfected in that moment. And we see here this idea of the transformation that Jesus came to do for us, to take away our sins and to transform us to be more like Him. And we have the, this, this understanding of sin now and, and this, this continual sin in our lives after salvation. Remember, 1 John's written to Christians. And so we're talking about after salvation, we, if we still live a life that is characterized by sin, uh, then, then that characterization of sin is not the expectation or, or a sign of a child of God. We, we have this... this well, let's look at the verses. Verse number 6. The wording here is interesting. Let's make sure we understand it. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. All right, let me ask you right away. John asked this in Sunday school. It's more too amazing how it lines up. Uh, but uh, if you're a Christian, have you ever sinned after you were saved? The answer is yes. You don't have to tell me. I know it. Because I'm the same way. Everybody's the same way. So it says here, Whosoever abideth in him, abideth in God, sinneth not. What does that mean? We'll get to it in a second. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Oh, wait a second, now I'm confused. Verse 7, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he, God, is righteous. Verse 8, he that committeth sin is of the devil. Oh, wait a second, I, I've committed sin. Am I of the devil? We'll get to it in a second. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Wait a second. 
I'm born of God. I'm adopted into God's family. Don't I sin? Whosoever is born into, unto God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. What are we talking about here? Again, we're talking about this continual sin, this life characterized by sin, the practice of sin. Uh, we've talked about in chapter, chapter 2, we talked about this, how God, when he views us, views us through his son Jesus. Jesus' righteousness is now what I wear. Not my righteousness, but Jesus' righteousness. And so God, seeing me as, as he sees Jesus, perfect. Now Jesus and God, they're the same. I know my terminology, sorry, I'm mixing it up. But, but the same here says that if we confess our sin as Christians, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All right, so when I sin, I go to God and I say, God, I sin, forgive me. And if I'm truly seeking forgiveness, God says, you're forgiven. You're washed white as snow. Your unrighteousness is now cleansed. You are now righteous. Okay, but what's going to happen? I'm going to sin again. Right? It's just, it's going to happen. It's not an excuse and it's not okay, but I'm going to sin again. And again, I say this a lot, but as a human and as a Christian, if you say, well, I just did that because I'm human. Oh, well, ha, 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 I made a mistake. That's not how God views it. God doesn't say, well, you're human, you made a mistake. Um, you know, uh, okay, no big deal. No, now when God forgives you, He forgives you. But God doesn't look at your sin and just laugh it off. And neither should you. Sin is wicked and it's evil. And no Christian should be living a life characterized by sin. That doesn't mean that they won't sin, but it means their life should not be living in continual sin, over and over and over, uh, unforgiven, unrepentant. Uh, uh, when, and when people see you, if your life is characterized by the sins that you commit on a regular basis, there's something off, there's something wrong. That's not how it's supposed to be. If you remember in the Old Testament, Joseph and Potiphar's wife, and you remember Potiphar's wife came in and tried to get Joseph to commit sin with her. And he said, uh, and I, I'm somewhat paraphrasing, but he said, how can I commit this sin against God? And he's looking at it. Joseph's looking at it. It's not sinning against Potiphar, who gave him uh, a position, who, who uh, lifted him up in this position. And, and basically Joseph was running Potiphar's business his whole life for the most part. And, 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 and with the exception of his own family, Potiphar's family. And when Potiphar's wife came and said, I want to commit this sin with you, Joseph didn't say, I can't sin against Potiphar. And I can't sin against you. He says, how could I commit this sin against God? That's the sign of family. When our concern and our understanding is what I'm doing, the actions that I'm doing, my heart uh, my thoughts, my mind, my actions affect my relationship with God. And I will not sin against God. Sometimes we look at people and we say, you know what? I am going to hate this person because I don't care if they hate me. And our mindset is I'm sinning against this person and I'm okay with it because I don't like this person. The reality is you're sinning against God. And God hates it. And as Christians, uh, we are supposed to represent our Father. I don't know how you grew up, but my dad used the old phrase on me, you're a stover, 
And don't forget it. When you're out there running around being stupid, you're affecting how people look at us as a family. And you represent us as a family. It's not just your life. It's our life. And you need to behave like Stovers are supposed to behave. And I understood that. Did I always uh, uh, represent the Stover name well? No. But I also understood when I disappointed my father or my mother. I also understood when I, when I put a little tarnish on the family name. Now, understand you're part of God's family. What you do has an effect on how people view God. Whether you like it or not, it's the truth. And so how you live your life impacts how people view God. How you act at work with your coworkers, how you act at work uh, uh, underneath the authority that's above you impacts how those people view God. How you act in church impacts how people view God. When people come to this church, how you treat them has an influence on, on how they view God. And you have to remember this, that you are living under the God name, so to say. How are you going to show that name? How are you going to represent that name? And we have to understand here that, that a life living in continual sin. So it says there in verse number 6, If you abide in Him, you sin not. Whosoever abideth in Him sinneth not. Again, it doesn't mean that you don't ever sin. It's talking about your life is characterized by the lack of sin. You're not perfect. Think about, um, uh, 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 who is it? Job, I think, was called perfect. Um, uh, uh, Jonah, not Jonah, the other guy. Uh, Noah was called perfect. Uh, they weren't sinless. Their life was being characterized, though, in a very godly way. The continuality of their life was characterized by righteousness, not wickedness. And, and that's the idea here. If you abide in God, first of all, God, if you're God's child, He sees you as sinless. Why? Because Jesus is sinless, and Jesus is the mediator, and Jesus goes before you, and Jesus says He's with me or she's with me. And so there's the cover of Jesus' righteousness over us is spotted, is seen uh, through the, if I can use the word righteousness that they have, not that they're perfect, but that their life is not characterized by sin. It says, uh, verse 7, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. And he that committeth sin is of the devil. Again, it's not talking about one sin, although we're born as sinners and we're born outside of the family of God. And it is by grace through faith that we are saved into the family of God. But the understanding here is the person who lives with a heart that is wicked, with a heart that is continually sinning. Think about how God viewed the world in the day of Noah. He said their, their thoughts are, are evil continually. There's nothing good in them. There's nothing right in them. They are known for their sins. And he says, I believe that's what this means here. He that committed sin is of the devil. The devil sinneth from the beginning. That's the reason why God came. The purpose, the Son of God, was manifested that He would destroy the works of the devil. So if you're born of God, verse 9, you don't commit sin. 
And again, I just want to clarify and make sure you understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying you'll never sin. I'm saying your life is not characterized by sin. That when you sin, you go and say, God, I've sinned. God, please forgive me. We don't walk around this earth just wicked, continually wicked. Because you're, so, you're, you're a child of God. And whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Verse 10, neither he that loveth not his brother. Oh my goodness, wait a second. Whose side are you on? God's at war with the devil. Jesus came to destroy sin. and to destroy the works of the devil, it says. But now he says, the sign of family here, the children of God, in this the children of God are manifested, and the children of the devil also. But whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. So we have the reminder of God's love. We have the reminder of the obligation of Christians in regards to sin. We're supposed to get away from it. We're not supposed to live continually in it. We're not supposed to be characterized by it. Number three, we need to be reminded of the two sides because there are only two sides. And that's what verse 10 gives us. The devil's side and God's side. It's, it's as simple as it can get. Draw a line in the sand and pick a side. Which side are you on? Well, what does the devil's side look like? Well, the devil's side neglects God and neglects God's children. He says there in verse number 10, if, the, if this, in this the children of God are manifested and the children of the devil, whosoever doeth not righteousness, that's the rejection of God, is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. How can you recognize family? Well, you recognize it by trying to figure out what side you're on and seeing who's on that side with you. Because the Bible says that those who reject God, whosoever doeth not righteousness, is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Now, please understand, I'm not asking you to judge someone's Christianity. As I said at the beginning, you can't do it, you're not supposed to do it, it's not for you to do your job, my job, is to love people, it's to love God, and it's to share the love of God with anybody who will listen. That's my job. I first have to be where I'm supposed to be, remembering God's love. Then I'm supposed to live the way that, I, that God desires for me to live uh, through the obligation that I have in regards to sin. Now I'm sitting here choosing sides, right? Which side am I choosing? Which side am I on? Which side is my life showing that I'm on? Well, if I neglect God in His way and His commands, and I don't love my brother. Now I'm telling you, we have it pretty twisted today, and society has helped us twist this about how to love people. But if you don't think that God finds it important that you love your brother or your sister in Christ, you have missed a major section of Scripture. The world, the Bible tells us, when we looked at it in this passage, the world is against us. We're supposed to be together. We're not supposed to be fighting each other. We're on the same side. 
And the Bible says that those who are, are unrighteous are not of God, as well as those who do not love their brother. They're against God too. They're on the wrong side. Doesn't mean they're not Christians. Not necessarily. Doesn't mean they're not right. Yes. And think about it for a minute, because we've talked about it a lot with, with how to love the, the, the people, the lost, the lost people, the people of the world, how we're supposed to love them. Because remember, the world says, accept them. That's how you love them. And the Bible says, no, if you love them, you help them do right. So you speak the truth in love, and you come alongside of them, and you, and you let them know, hey, this is going to lead you to a very dangerous path. This is going to lead to destruction. Sin always does. This is wrong. God says it's wrong. God loves you. He sent us son to die for you. Uh, and, and he died on the cross for your sins, and he was buried, and he rose again the third day. And the Bible says that if you'll call on him, he will save you, he will forgive you, uh, he will cleanse you, he will take you to heaven. That's what love is. That's how we love the lost world. Okay, so how do we love our brother? Because we'll look at it and we'll say, well, um, it's, it's, it's completely different right now. I don't have to worry about these people's souls because they're saved. And so... Is it really important to love them? Well, yes, it's important to love them. Why? Because God said love them. But then we get into the um, religious things. And it happened way back when, and it happens still today. They're not doing what I think they're supposed to do. So what do I do? I kick them out. I shun them. I, 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 I don't want them around. Um, I'm not doing what, uh, what they, they're not doing what I think they should do. They're not, they don't hold my standards. They don't sing the songs that I like. They don't use the Bible that I use. They don't dress the way that I dress. Uh, they don't, whatever it is. And then we sit here and we go, well, I'm not going to love them. Now, we wouldn't say that out loud, but it's what we're doing. I am incredibly thankful for my upbringing. I have good godly parents. I was raised um, in a ministry where surrounded by good godly people. And, and I don't say any of this to knock anyone. Uh, I was in good churches growing up. Uh, I'm thankful for my pastors that I had growing up. Thankful for my youth pastors that I had. All of these kinds of things. I grew up in a world... Uh, and not everybody in, that I grew up around was this way, but I grew up in a world generalized by, if you're not like us, then you're not with us. And I understand that in the sense that there, the idea was guarding close to the Bible and following what they believed the Bible said and, and thinking that everybody needed to do that. And, and I think the motives were generally right in this, but I think in, along the way, over the years, over the decades, something got lost. We went away from loving people and we went to loving our religion. And we got so caught up in hair and dress and music and entertainment and uh, separation and all these different things that, that have their place. But we got so caught up in it where all of a sudden now we're saying those people are not with us because they're not like us. Okay, well where's our commonality? If it's in God, then they are with us. 
Now I say this, I want to be very careful with this. I think if you've been around, you've heard me preach enough, I think you understand this, but we need to understand God does tell us in Scripture how we're supposed to live. He warns us of the things we need to avoid. He he encourages us to get close to the things we're supposed to get close to. But the Bible doesn't tell us specifically exactly what articles of clothing we're supposed to wear. The Bible does not... Uh, bring up genres of music. The Bible uh, uh, is, is clear, I believe, about principles. And he's also clear about the fact that he's given the Holy Spirit to help guide your life. And that if you read your Bible and study what it says, and that if you'll pray and talk to God and say, God, give to me what you want me to do. Tell me how you want me to live. How do you want me to dress? What do you want me to listen to? What do you want me to avoid? God will tell you. Okay, now listen. When it comes back to this idea of family and understanding who it is, God says, if you're not loving your brother, you're not with me. And sadly, there are Christians in churches across the world today who are feeling really good about themselves because they're sitting in church, yet they hate their brother. And they'll go home today from church And there will be a rift between them and God. I'm not saying that they're not saved. There will be be a hindrance in their fellowship. They will not go home today on God's side. And that's a problem. Because we Christians are responsible for getting the gospel to every creature that's alive today. How can I do that if I'm not on God's side? How can I fulfill what God has told me to fulfill if I'm not where God wants me to be? And when we look at this and we go, yeah, whether it's people in our own church who we have disagreements with, whether it's people in other churches that we have disagreements with. Listen, there there are people out there today who are preaching a false gospel. There's no doubt about it. Those people are not of God. And I'm not saying we need to go and just join up with them and hook arms and that kind of thing. Please understand me. I'm not saying that either. But what I'm saying is there are people in this world that God loves, that God saved, that God is blessing, and we sometimes look at them and go, well, because they're not like me, not only am I I not going to agree with them, I'm going to reject them. And what we're doing is we're rejecting God's people. In this church, we preach the Bible. That's our priority. And we seek to do anything and everything that the Bible tells us to do, follow the Bible's pathway for this church. And we ask God to guide us and direct us in the standards that we set, in the the music that we use, in the the way that we do things, all this kind of stuff. And we do it the way, and and today I can go home comfortably knowing uh, that we have done things here today the way that God wants us to do them. But that doesn't mean that someone that's doing it differently than us is automatically wrong. And I think we see that in our own church, right? Because you and I have different standards amongst each other. We do some things differently. We raise our children a little differently. We listen to different music. I know I keep bringing that up, but it's, it's an easy standard thing. We listen to different music. Maybe we dress differently. But we still are God's children, and we still come together and unite, and we still worship together, and we still serve together, and we still love our community together. Why? Because God loves us. But somehow... 
We can't look outside of the church and love people the same way we love the people inside of our church. And I hope that we love each other uh, as much as we love anybody. That's part of being a unified church. But understand that if, if, if God says, this person is my child, and you go, I reject that person. I hate that person. And we don't use that word a whole lot anymore. I hate that person. You're not on the right side. And that should terrify you. It does me. And it's so hard because we come through and, and we've, we've kind of, if you've been raised in church, like I've been raised in church, again, I love my churches, I love my pastors, I love my Sunday school teachers, my children's church teachers, my youth, youth pastors and youth leaders. Uh, I'm so thankful for them. But I think the longer that we're in church, the more we get kind of pulled to religion instead of God. And we have the checklist that we check off. And we, we, well, I did this today, and I did that today, and I did what I was supposed to do today. I had a youth pastor who, every time he saw me, hey, Vince, what did you read for your devotions this morning? And man, several times, you know, I'd, I'd try to, to, to trick him. I'd say, oh, I haven't had them yet today. He said, okay, what did you do for your devotions yesterday? He got me. So I started doing my devotions. Why? So that when my youth pastor asked me, what did you do for your devotions today? I had an answer. Now, was it good that I was doing my devotions? Yes. Was I getting much out of them? I wasn't. Why? Because I wasn't doing them for the right reason. It's better to read your Bible than not read your Bible. Uh, okay? But the idea is I was doing something to make someone else happy or to even make myself happy in knowing that I could respond positively to the question. I wasn't doing it because I love God. And that's a life changer. When it finally clicks with you that the reason I go to church is because I love God. That the reason that I love my spouse is because I love God. That the reason because I raise my children and discipline them and train them in the way that God wants them to go is because I love God. The reason why I share the gospel with people is because I love God. The reason why I treat my boss the, the right way is because I love God. The reason why I treat my uh, uh, co-workers uh, the way that, that, I, that I do is because I love God. If you understand that the reason why, if, if you get to the point in your life where the reason why you're doing what you're doing is because you love God, it changes everything. And it has you on the right side. Are you on the right side today? Is your life clean? Is it pure? Is it where it's supposed to be? This morning, is there anything that's blocking your fellowship with God? If there is, you're on the wrong side. Get it right. How are you loving people? Specifically, it mentions here in verse 10, your brothers, your, the, the brothers and sisters in Christ. How are you loving them? Do you judge them, look down on them, because they're not as spiritual as you are? Or do you resent them because you feel like they're more spiritual than you are? Are you right? with your brothers and sisters, do you love them? Yes, we're supposed to love our neighbors and our enemies. This passage, our brothers. How do we recognize family? We recognize them by what side they're on. What's their life characterized by? How do I make sure that I am showing forth which family I'm a part of? Well, number one, I need a reminder of God's love because that'll help me love the way I'm supposed to. That'll help me live the way I'm supposed to. Number two, I need to be reminded of the obligation I have in regards to sin. 
I'm not supposed to be characterized by sin. The lost world especially should not look at my life and go, he's just like me. She's just like me. You're supposed to be different. The English word used for in our translation is peculiar people. Different. Understand your obligation in regards to sin. And then remember there are two sides and you can only be on one side. You can't straddle the fence. Which side are you on? I need to show forth which part, which family I'm a part of. And when I'm looking for people to fellowship with, people that will encourage me, people that will edify me, people that will help me to, uh, to remember God's love and remember the obligation I have in regards to sin, I'm looking for people that are part of the family of God, people that are living right, people that are, that are showing forth and representing God correctly. Because those people are going to help me to do right and to be right and be what God wants me to be. And Lord willing, I can help them do the same. We are a part of a family. Um, it was funny. I heard um, a, a commercial uh, Friday night, and, uh, <laughs> and it said, we treat you like family. I think it was a bank commercial. And my, the first thing that came to my mind is, man, there are some really messed up families out there. What if they hear that commercial and they think, ah, oh, I don't want to go to that bank. They treat me like family. Well, we need to treat our family, the family of God, like God treats His family. May we not be a disheveled mess. Yes, we are to some degree, right? But may we be characterized by a group of people who love God and love people. And that our lives, when we make mistakes, when we do sin, that our life isn't characterized by that, but it's characterized by the fact that we are forgiven and that we're right with God and that we're living in perfect fellowship with God. That's the side that we need to be on. Lord, I pray for your help this morning. We live in a world that is contaminated, of course. It always has been. We live in a world that encourages sin. It it, it just uh, pushes us to it. It, it, it's, It's begging us to be a part of it. But Lord, we're a child of you. And God, we need your help to be what we're supposed to be. So thankful for your love. I'm so thankful that you loved me enough to send your son to die for me. Lord, I'm so thankful that as a young child, my parents, my pastor and church teachers were faithful to share the gospel with me. And I'm so thankful that at a young age, I understood my need to be saved. And I called on you and you saved me. And God, I know I fail you over and over again. But Lord, I'm so thankful that you're willing to forgive and that you do forgive. So Lord, I pray that you'd help me to remember your love so that I can love like you do. Lord, I pray that you'd help me in regards to sin, that I would always understand the need to stay away from it, to run from it, to flee from it. And Lord, that when I do sin, that I run straight to you and get it taken care of. And God, as I look today and understand there's only two sides, it's either with you or against you. God, I pray that I'm with you. 
And God, I pray for your help that we stay on the right side. And this morning, Lord, I pray for each person here. I'm so thankful for them. Many have sacrificed and given and helped in this church in so many different ways. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to love one another. That you'd help us to live the way that you desire for us to live and to be who you desire for us to be. Lord, today, may we walk out these doors on your side. And I pray this in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you stand with me, please? The piano's going to play.